I welcome everybody to another jaded interview. I'm Kevin Rogue. I'm here with Al Day, and I am very excited for this for this guest that we have on tonight in particular. I'm excited to hear the story. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time tonight. We got Doc, man, and Doc, tell him who you are, brother. We want to know. So uh, I'm not new to the business. I'm making uh, a return. Uh, to the pro wrestling world uh, after being involved from 2007 to 2010. Uh, I wrestled through Mid-Atlantic as Gamble. Um, afterward, I joined the Army shortly thereafter. Um, let's say, I guess, with the WCW acquisition, um, the deep talent pool at the time, TNA was still really, really heavy. Um, I guess I've gotten enough feedback from the talent scouts that said, hey, if you're not six, six feet or taller, you know, I fell into the box. I'm a, I'm a first generation. I'm nobody. At the time, they had, you know, given me any reason to get a whole lot of TV time being 5'9", 225 pounds. They didn't care how sharp my abs were, how white my teeth were, or any of the jawline features. They said, if you're not six feet at your height, we, it's going to be difficult to find a spot for you. You're charismatic. You can work the microphone. We believe you. We love to love you, love to hate you. But this is the truth. And so shortly after I joined the Army as a combat medic, um, before bodybuilding or you know, before wrestling, bodybuilding was my career, which segued pretty naturally into the wrestling world uh, with the least. Um, and I wanted to use my physicality in a service capacity. So that's why I joined the Army. Um, I was late to the party, but that's okay. Um, served some time. And then afterward, I got into writing. Uh, so I've got a best-selling book in the marketplace. Um, the second, the follow-up in that series uh, will be released shortly. And I more recently found my way back into the square circle. So it's fun. Well, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. Good for you. Good for you. What? What was the the decision to step away and enlist? What what went into that that thought process? Because that I mean that's a big responsibility. Thank you very much for your service. But the the thought process of stepping away from from wrestling and enlisting, man, walk me through that. So as I mentioned, uh, I was a bodybuilder, competitive bodybuilder. I had a career with sponsors. Uh, I was paid to compete. Uh, I was uh, compensated for my placing. It was all drug-free bodybuilding. And it was a real niche window at the time of the late 90s, early 2000s, when there was a place for that before men's physique really became a thing. So as a, as a drug-free bodybuilder, I guess that's really what most of the men's physiques class looked like. So I looked like all when I was a senior in high school. And uh, so now it's, it's become, it's changed. But I knew I was chasing trophies um, that I found with, with time comes a little wisdom. I realized that these trophies don't mean a whole heck of a lot. And in a, a couple of moves, they break. They, they lose an arm. The head falls off. The, the, you know, the sword tip comes up. They're just trophies. And so then with wrestling, um, you know, I felt like pursuing a belt that was – subjective in its value, depending on where you were, um, that didn't quite fill a hole. And then my brother was a Marine. He was five, he's five years my junior. And so he enlisted straight out of high school and had a career as a Marine. And I always respected that. My father preached Air Force our entire upbringing. Uh, and like I mentioned, I was late to the party, but I had something inside of me that really drove me to use my physicality, my physical gifts in a service capacity. And so uh, I, I found the recruiting station and, and they thought it was a rib. When I walked in, I was 240 pounds. I was wearing tights and a tank top. And uh, they're like, who sent you in here? The Navy? Get out of here. <laughs> cute. And, and no, when I, I was talking to a guy actually from my church, he said, hey, why don't you looking to be in a 68 whiskey and all I heard was whiskey. And, uh, <laughs> and what's that? He says, well, that's, that's what they call medics, combat medic. You get to be an infantry man, but you can also render care and aid and get your injured comrades out of harm's way. And I was like, that sounds like my speak because I mean, 
11 bang bang, 11 bravos, those infantry guys, I mean, all you have to do is wave a few dollars in the Dodge, you know, supercharger in front of them and they're going to enlist for 11 bravo. But medic takes a certain mentality and I felt like I had that and uh, I scored well enough. So that, it really felt natural and I loved it. I loved the training. Um, I loved everything I had the opportunity to do. And uh, it's still very much a part of who I am. Uh, I love being an asset to my community. Not only do I, um, you know, know how to put holes in bad guys, but I also know how to fill holes in people that are maybe caught in harm's way. Yeah, that's 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 very admirable, man. That is very admirable. That's uh, again, th- thank you for your service. That is, uh, it, it takes you know, it takes a lot. It takes a, a special kind of person. I'm glad that there's people yeah. like you out there uh, that, that are willing to do that. That's uh, that's that's absolutely wonderful. So take me, take me, take me into now getting back into wrestling and what that what that journey is 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 like. All right, so we got into the Army, did some things, and so I mentioned before we went on the air, um, I've hit a few bumps in the road, and uh, during my second flailing marriage that I found myself in uh, one of the military family life counselor's offices, and he says, he says, Doc, have you, have you got an artistic outlet? for your unmet expectations, your romantic ideations, that kind of thing where you kind of, you know, missed it maybe. And I was like, Taylor Swift, I write love songs. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to sing, great, but just write it down. So uh, I sat down with uh, a legal pad and a half bottle of Barolo and uh, just started writing. And what I found pretty quickly was that um, – I had a story to tell and it wasn't just a story, but it was a book and not one book, but five. So I've got this series of books mapped out Um, by about 2016, the turn of 2016-17. And I already planned my exit strategy for the spring of 17. And uh, I published my first book in uh, 2018. Uh, 1300 Hours is a cheap plug there. But um, 1300 hours is available in Amazon uh, and in uh, Barnes and Noble bookstores across the country. Uh, it's uh, the first in a five book series. The second 1400 hours um, is due to release with I get my publisher. Uh, I got to put him in a headlock and you know, get that kind of nailed down. Yeah. So storytelling. I realized that in building an author platform, I built relationships with my readers or followers, uh, social media has done pretty good for me. And I say pretty good because I'm like micro famous in that little thing. I realized that there are people doing uh, much less talented things and getting a lot more renown. That's true. That's okay. God bless them. But I was interacting with my readers. I would read a chapter a week live aloud on Facebook live thousands of people would show up hundreds of comments. I mean, really, really cruel. And it took to a little more recently to build a bridge in my mind of why wrestling, why do I love it? Why can I not let it go? And it's because I get the feedback from my audience in real time. Yeah. I'm telling and I can tell if they like it. I can tell if I need to juice it up, if I need more, drama if I can need to hold a little longer. And if the good guy gets over and they're really behind him, I'm doing my part. And that's a remarkable thing. I mean, wrestling is uh, time and uh, anyone that would critique it would say, oh, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And I go, but but shows get redone all the time. And right. there's no... Uh, people love storytelling and they love cheering for the good guy and they love seeing the bad guy get it in the end. Um, they love when the guy gets the girl, you know? So my writing has only fire in the intensity. And so when I'm in the ring, I'm looking for creating moments, not just having good matches, but I want to create them. Where's the moment when I'm thinking about who my opponent is, I want to give the crowd something to hang on to, to take home and go, dang, man, you remember when they did this? Man, when Patton did that, 
oh, man, and that was a moment. I want to create moments for people. That's the next mission. That is that is spectacular, man. That is spectacular. Speaking of making moments, is there a moment that you connected to wrestling? Is that can you remind remember a time that you, I mean, maybe watching wrestling and connected with a moment that drew you more of, I mean, further into the sport? Of course. Um, so as a young man, I was uh, I had the great influence of my uncle Mark, uh, who was uh, he celebrated. He would have celebrated his birthday yesterday. He's gone, but. Uh, he was the most positively influential man in my life. And from 78 to 84 was a pro bodybuilder, had the opportunity to train with Arnold at the 80 Olympia in South Africa, trained Sylvester Stallone for, for Rocky four when he beat the Russian and looked like 2 million bucks. Um, so Mark Ashby, my uncle, who's just my uncle, he looked like a cartoon character. Right. And I saw a guy named Lex Luger. I go, he looks like he works out with my uncle Mark, and then I was like Warrior and Sting, and and then yeah, you know the Road Warriors that had all that meat, and I was like, these are live comic book characters. And so when I saw um, Rick Rude as just this perfect heel, uh, getting under the skin of these giants by comparison, sure he looked amazing, but it was it was the physicality paired with the drama. It's the story. And so I remember having that moment in my early youth. And then, you know, I started playing outside, building forts and stuff like that. But then my younger brother, again, uh, five years my junior, uh, he comes running up the stairs while I'm doing my homework, busting in my room. And he goes, you've got to come see this. You have to come see this on TV right now. It's going to be, it's, it's Shawn Michaels and he's going to take on Bret Hart. He's the best there is, the best there was, the best there will be. He's going to fight him for the belt right now. You have to come see the book. And I'm just wrecked by this insane, like something got a hold of him. And so I was reintroduced to it as a, a sophomore in high school. And I saw it for what it was and what it was still able to do. Uh, and then my high school girlfriend, her brother, uh, was addicted to wrestling and had friends over every Sunday night for every pay-per-view. And I'm just trying to kiss her in the other room and they're all making a bunch of I mean, I started getting into bodybuilding myself toward the end of high school. And the guys were like, well, your boyfriend kind of looks like Ken Shamrock, only smaller. Okay. Like, so... I mean, the Stone Cold hysteria when when uh, when he passed out in the sharpshooter with that crimson mask. I mean, nice. powerful moments. Yeah. moments. Yes, it's, it's undeniable. And I've gone through different waves of how to explain it being out of the business and in the business, then formerly in the business. I tell you what, my drill sergeants when I was in the Army found out I was on YouTube. And I had wrestling matches, and that's what I did. And life got easier when they knew that I was a pro wrestler in my former life. And I had the opportunity to cut promos on drill sergeants with an audience, and nobody ever got to talk back to the drill sergeants like that. Yeah. Was, uh, bro, I got to tell you, pro wrestling is such an asset because it's been a bridge with the troops. Um, the only attention that most people have is that Vince McMahon has flown talent to other, you know, places overseas and put on shows. There's so much more. I mean, when guys are home after doing awful things overseas, they get to connect with their kids, maybe not over Pokemon or Fortnite or other things that they missed, but wrestling. And it's such a powerful tool. And it's unfortunate in my younger sons, I have two sons, Titus and Maximus, they're 10 and 13 years old. Um, my 18 year old, Cody, he, he doesn't quite think it's cool. It's only cool when his friends think it's cool. Um, <laughs> but under one, they, they love it. Oh, what movie are you working on? You know, what are you doing in the ring now? It's a bridge. It really is. Man, that's, that's really awesome. So I see that, you were drawn initially at first with your tie-ins to your uncle Mark, the body guys, like some of those guys that were just 
like you said, the comic book characters come to life because growing up, I know we were in the eighties and my brother and I, like those characters were larger than life. They told stories in the ring, you know, that's, and now finding out about you, getting to know you through this conversation that you're an author, you know, storytelling obviously is a very important part to you and your wrestling that, um, that creative outlet I know you've mentioned, but you've you've talked about your training and did you receive as far as the the specified formal training? Like, you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, I went to Stu Hart's dungeon. I I, I trained with these guys. I trained with uh, uh, Doctor Tom. You know, different guys. Like, who, who was your background there that you know kind of got you in, started teaching you how to take some bumps? You know." start telling a story, put the match together. So I, I attended 14 months of professional wrestling school in Newport News, Virginia at the Vanguard Championship Wrestling School. Uh, I trained under the tutelage of Sean Denny, okay. the Hall Stars, twin brothers, Ross and James Hall, uh, that for, God dang, the first three months, I, didn't, I couldn't tell them apart. And I was... You know, had to take a lap for that when I messed it up. Um, but also got to work under the, the guidance of uh, Pat Cusick, who was very close with Manny uh, Fernandez, uh, Raging Bull. Yeah. And um, so Mid-Atlantic, I mean, I've been down to shows with Preston Quinn, uh, George South, um, I'm Jimmy Valiant. I, I worked for Jimmy Valiant Productions down in, in North Carolina uh, several times and learned every time I got in the building. Um, I want to put a bunch of guys over that have, you know, influenced, but, um, 14 months of training the first day, um, I, it, it was the closest thing to like a gang initiation that I had, uh, ever envisioned. And, you know, as a, as a, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty boy bodybuilder. I mean, cardio was an hour on the treadmill, 15% grade at a 4.1 pace, you know, with my legs shaved and my protein shake ready and you know, pre-workout and bedroom caffeine stack. And they worked me to the point of wanting to dig into reserve energy, punch one of them in the dick and then just take on whatever I could do. You know, I was ready. He's like, get up at the very end. I mean, we ran five miles to start. So we were, I was gassed for my trial. I was blown up, which is exactly what they wanted to find out. Hey, he might come in for looking good, but can he hang? And it took a while before I could hang. Um, I knew when to keep my mouth shut mostly. And that, that, that saved my life. Right. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I, I'm always curious of the, the tie-ins like, I remember hearing the story about Road Dog. Like whenever he broke into the business, he didn't know what to do. His family was the famous, you know, the Armstrongs, and they said he was taking to break in. Like he said, "Well, I'll try wrestling." So he took hip tosses on the beach, over and over and over and over. And he's like, "You know, I'm thinking about going back to the Persian Gulf right now because this is awesome. get out of here." Yeah, I mean, so. So they, they worked me. I was doing, I was running ropes. I was taking bumps. Um, you know, elbows are all tore up. Um, so this is an interesting thing too. I, I mentioned I've got my adult beverage. I'm on vacation. At the time I was drug free, alcohol free and didn't, didn't mess with painkillers or anything. I mean, I was managing my pain holistically by seeing my chiropractor every week, maybe twice a week if I had a couple of matches on the weekend, but I didn't drink and I was, I came out of bodybuilding. I didn't have a drink till I was 28 years old. So, I mean, I got in the locker room and I, I smartened up pretty quick that these guys will wash down their painkillers and their muscle relaxers with vodka or whatever they can get their hands on. And they thought, hey, man, this guy's probably got the gas. Let's talk to him. I didn't know. I was a drug-free dude. Mm -hmm. I was just working really, really hard. 
you know, to look like that, they probably thought, oh, well, of course we know how he got there. But I was naive in that respect. But it was learning how to take care of myself to go the distance because I really saw this as a long-term viable business. Uh, some of the guys that I had the opportunity to work with in my wrestling school, uh, Vic Adams was his work name. He wrestled at Florida Championship Wrestling for years. Um, Janice, I mean, gosh, what a story. You ought to get him on your show. He's got a better story to tell than most. Um, gosh, he was personal trained during the day, was flipping pancakes at the Waffle House at night, got in a car accident that totaled his Kia Sportage hanging on, on the way to a show, wrestled that show, had a dark match with Phil Brown as, a, as a, his host in Hampton, Virginia, and wound up getting a contract in front of him the next, that same night. Like, it was a real whirlwind, and he was on WrestleMania 32, Ric Flair's retirement. Was that it? Um, he was in the entourage with uh, Floyd Mayweather, and when Big Show uh, chopped the hell out of him in the corners, he got shit canned and cracked his head on the uh, on the guardrail, and the camera kept going back to him. I mean, the whole wrestling school were watching the WrestleMania live on, on, on pay-per-view, and we're marking out for our guy that was just at our school the other night. And, uh, I mean, we're just so proud. You know, he, he came right out of our system. And, and did well. I mean, thank God he's whole. He's got a beautiful family. He's doing great. And, uh, you know, we're, we're proud of that. But he's he's no longer in the business. He's the biggest guy walking around Tampa, Florida, that's for sure. But he's, uh, he's, he's a really good friend that had shown what he could give to the business, take from the business, and still get out whole and without, like, this awful dramatic story. He is an overcomer and I love stories like that from wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as do, as do I, and I'm, I'm sure Al does as well. Um, can you, uh, can you talk me through the gamble character? Where did that, how did that origin, uh, where did it come from? How did you uh, like it? Did you, I mean, tell me about it. All right. Before we get to gamble, the first match I had, they wanted to get over the, um, my Italian look. And they wanted to establish that I was the baby face. So I'm in a, a high school gym in North Carolina. And they want to call me literally baby face. And my Italian uh, Guastella Bertucci from my grandparents' side, I was like, uh, yeah, Bertucci is the last name uh, on my family. Like, Great. Your baby face Bertucci. <laughs> wrestling in borrowed wrestling trunks for starters. I know I'm in shape and I know where I have a little extra trunk space. My cakes were falling out of the back of my trunks in the middle of the match, adjusting. So my, my character being chanted by the crowd, not as baby face, but baby cakes. Wow. And my and I said, when I got back to the back, I didn't ask, was it good? Did I do good? I said, I'm never using that name again. <laughs> so I wanted to sell that I was uh, like a reformed henchman from my wife at the time <laughs> to what? How many wives ago? <laughs> um, she was from New Jersey. And so I wanted to give her a little pop. And I was like, oh, I'll say I'm from New Jersey. My character is a reformed leg breaker for the mafia, whatever. So gamble, Atlantic City, you do the math, there you go. So I'm from Virginia. And one thing you'll get about Patton is that I'm from Williamsburg, Virginia, where it all began. So I'm red, white, and blue, and I don't talk with a New York accent, a New Jersey accent, and I don't drive like them assholes either. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that is that is one of the greatest things of the the baby cakes that i've seen where if like, someone's debuted before because we had the indie wrestling come to our high school gym and stuff and 
uh, it was tied to an individual that graduated a year before my older brother. He was, uh, his name was Robert Adams, but he went by the stage name of Adam Roberts, you know, very creative, that whole, just swap your names around. You got two first names, essentially. Let's do this. And, but there was a guy and I can't remember what they started calling him. Like he was a heel and like, I talked to Robert after the show and he's like, dude, you have no idea. Like he was destroying, they had our JV locker room. Like that's where the heels were coming out and the faces came out of the, like the varsity areas. You have no, this guy's destroying everything, flipping benches because the crowd turned on him and it was 400 people. It was his first show. His family was over here in the corner and just, I was like, you know, you, you've got to be able to sell and storytell, but baby cakes, that one, that is up there. My goodness. <laughs> that is great. So now with, with uh, being Pat with being Doc here, what like you you've created this. So it, it has to speak more to you and you're more vested in it. I, I have to believe. Am I am I am I right? Yeah, there's no character work with this. I mean, when uh so I, I get to train in Williamsburg, um, not far from my home at all. I'm very spoiled right now to have a ring just around the corner. Um, Jay Sin um, of the Capital Vices, he's recently been on AEW Dark, and uh, he's been a friend from the business prior. Uh, one of the greatest cool tag teams, the set with uh, one of the members of the Ugly Ducklings who's uh, right now, he's overcoming uh, some cancer treatments right now. Um, gotta, lo- gotta love Lance Lude, who's, uh, he's doing his thing. He's, he's getting better. Good. But then introduced me to uh, Round One Wrestling School in Williamsburg, and I have access to a great ring. And so they've got some guys in there that have done some shows for a few years, and um, some new cats. And so uh, the guy running the class, I kind of sit back, you know, I'm just, I'm here. They're like, no, 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 you're the veteran. You're a veteran. Who's the veteran? Like, want to hear from you, like whatever. I go, uh, it's your school. It's your class. I'm just here to work on my crucifix spot. That's cool. So they said, Hey man, what's your character? Who are you? And they're getting, Deer in the headlights looks from some of these kids, and they're like, oh, I'm Alpha Wolf, and um, I'm a bad guy. I go, oh boy. <laughs> oh man, we gotta work on that, man. We got, uh, I'm, I'm rah, the killer. I'm like, and they go, who are you, Patton? And I go, and you know who I am, exactly who I am when I walk in the front door and when you see my back when I leave I'm that whiskey sipping, ass whipping cigar smoking veteran that don't take any mess from anybody, you can't hurt my feelings they're already gone so I'm here to take care of business and I let my work show for itself I've got the scars, I've got the gray hair like it's it's not hard work to put over the character when I come out and I've got uh, you know the OD green tactical kilt. I've got my shirt that kind of says it all. You know, I'm a kid from the '80s too, and so it looks like a Ramones T-shirt, but yeah. different. Little attitude, little attitude. Let's go. Yeah, this has got to be one of the top five shirts that I've seen. Like as someone who likes to draw and design and mess around like I love this shirt design that you've got brother like that is amazing uh the do not go gentle that's that's potentially going to be inked on this arm oh nice there it is where it comes from nice yeah that's that's one of the things that uh I mean when I saw the shirt like Kevin shot it over to me and I was like, holy crap, that is one of the coolest shirts I've seen in a long time. He's like, you got to get one of these. I said, yes, I definitely got to get one of these. Working on it. Oh, yeah. So I learned that there's uh, some history listening to the Talk is Jericho podcast with Jim Cornette from 2017. 
I learned that Weasel Dooley and Jim Cornette came up with the star rating system that we use for matches. Did you know? I did not know that. So when I was coming up with Patton, people were like, are you going to be the general? And I go, no, I, Patton, I don't want to be too on the nose with the red, white, and blue thing. You know, I'm a veteran, I'm army. Patton was larger than life. He was a character. I mean, that's a shoot. He was out of the regs with his uniform often. Um, I mean, Pearl, uh, ivory pearl handle revolvers in uniform. Come on now. So he was uh, a three, a four star general. So I will put three stars on the back of the neck and I will promise to give three star matches night after night, three star matches with a moment that people will remember. If the fans decide to upgrade me and promote me to a four-star general. And before I hang up the boots and trunks one last time, if I haven't become a five-star general, that'll be on them. That'll be on them. But I promise I'll give three-star matches 100%. Night after night, I will wrestle six, seven nights a week and deliver that consistently. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to take care of my guy. We'll be there. That's incredible. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Who do you, who do you model your style after? Where are, I mean, where does your move set, where does your game, who do you borrow from and incorporate into what you do in the ring? So I have to say early nineties sting and now Billy Gunn. Beautiful. I don't like to leave my feet too much, but if I do, you will not forget it. It will count, but I won't kill myself to do it. <laughs> as seasoned as Billy Gunn looks in the ring now, as in control, and I've seen him live a number of times, he still gets the job done. He still tells that story, and it sticks. Of course, I'm nowhere as big as he is. But, you know, I still kind of got that gray and, you know, that kind of thing going on that kind of tells the story itself, you know? Absolutely. That's, uh, that's, that, that's, that's great. With, with your uh, fandom, when it was fandom of wrestling, and your love to tell stories and tell stories in the ring, is that something that you think is becoming more and more of a lost art form in the wrestling that we have today? And you think that's starting to take more of a backseat? Um, I, I know that wrestling has seasons. It comes and goes in waves. Right now, I love the pressure that AEW has created. And the overlap with Impact, I feel like it's leveling up. And New Japan, it's leveling up and being leveled up. New Japan is known for telling very good stories. Um, I'm not critical of this season of wrestling. NXT, on a Wednesday night, people talk ratings. I look at the stories and I look at the characters and what they're doing. What I see happening with Raw and the talent being moved around or let go, who knows, brother? I mean, I fell in love with the idea of NWA, Studio Wrestling. Billy Corgan got the reins and he had the checkbook and then COVID hit and changed everything. I don't know why NWA had to take a knee, but when, N when NWA took the knee and AEW just crushed and use the internet to keep giving us great content. I mean, I fell in love with Joey Janela, John Mock, Sonny Kiss, um, Brian Pillman Jr. I mean, ugh, the stories that they can tell. Adam Page, let me put myself over for a second. The first belt that Adam Page was given, as I recall, happened at Pure Pro Wrestling in North Carolina 
He was 17 years old. He was this big. <laughs> I was wrestling with him in a four-way against Corey Edsel and one other gentleman. God forgive me. I forget his name, but I will never forget the size of his hand. It was in front of maybe 300 people at a recreation center in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, we were the two small guys and the other two guys, Corey Edsel was the quickest 400 pounder. And then this other guy had to be 350 plus. And we were working our deal outside. Paige is working with Corey Edsel mostly. The finish was I hit the, I hit Edsel with the spear and he gets the cover. I roll out, he gets the cover. One, two, three. He's 17 years old. Hangman Adam. And they put the strap on him, and my ears were blown. That building came unglued. And I witnessed in the flesh something that I didn't understand. I go, these people love him. There's something to him. I don't know what it is. Because I was in Virginia. I was making my way up and down the road. So I didn't get to see Paige all the time. But I did see him a number of times. We worked the same shows when he was a child. And now I am pretty stoked for him. I'm proud of everything he's done, everything. And what's still to come, he's a young guy. But I was there. And that was cool. And it's cool now. That is, is, you're blowing my mind here a little bit. (laughs) It's, It's crazy because like watching AEW, my wife and I, my my now wife is a huge wrestling fan. She's very much into it. We got to go to her first wrestling show right before everything was shut down in the pandemic, like the February before they were here. Um, this accent is born and bred North Alabama. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's deeply rooted and earned, but we went to the show here at the VBC, um, watched when, that was the dynamite when uh, MJF whipped Cody. Oh and yeah. That oh, was the yeah. first show. I wanted to make it special. I got floor seats. I've oh, made yeah. a mistake <laughs> because now it's like, Oh, we've got to get closer and we've got to, I want to go to a Royal rumble and sit on the front row. And I'm just like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> but Adam page is the one that, like through all of the AEW evolution, watching him grow. And I'm like, man, I really like watching this guy. He is, he's incredible. Thanks, honey. Yeah. That makes you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> the, is there a, is there a style of wrestling, um, especially now coming back, back to wrestling? that you see yourself, I mean, do you view yourself as a, as a real technician? Do you view yourself? I mean, like you said, you don't leave your feet. Uh, and if you do, it's going to be memorable, but how do you, how do you, how do you view your work? Is there a style that you prefer to work? Hmm. Uh, so I've been watching so much more Japan, Japan wrestling, uh, new Japan from the 97, to early 2000s, um, I still have a VHS player. Um, the, the strong style to me is convincing. I want to convince people as much as possible. So the, the escapism that wrestling provides um, within the framework of what we identify as pro wrestling has many levels uh, from comedic heel work to, uh, you know, the death match, I mean, and a lot of ground in between. And I worked a show last Sunday with uh, uh, the Black Russian. I had a spot where I came out and he was talking a lot of anti-American nonsense that I wasn't having. And I just happened to be waiting through the curtain when he backed his way up talking a whole lot of crazy. When he turned around... I threw in some forearm shots that I heard about. He's like, man, that guy Patton was swinging. You know why? Because there were people on both sides of us. And they felt it too. 
And I spend that disbelief the best I can. And that comes in trusting me to lay those shots in firm without giving you a TBI. Mm-hmm. I love being able to control my body over time. That's been a, a skill that I've developed through training. I mean, it's intense stuff, but I, I wish that more great workers that don't look great, you know, and, and, and I mean that in all humility, you know, I'm coming from a place of sincerity that they would dedicate themselves more to the fitness side, the physical fitness side to control even better. You know, um, again, I'll mention Joey Janela. I love his work and he's improved himself. Ah, we'll give him out to Santana and Ortiz in their recent physiques that they've unveiled. And I don't mean to be one-sided with AEW. I just, that's what has my attention a lot. Um, But because you can control things even better, it creates that, uh, not illusion, but it gives that image of true combat in the way people imagine here when they make believe on their own as children in the woods with sticks and guns, sticks that are guns and whatever. And I just love going there and I love being a part of that. Um, the Stone Cold Steve Austin fight, when he's stomping a mud hole and somebody walking it dry, you buy it. Yeah. I see so many spots where people are kicking and they're beat, doing a beat down and I look, I'm drinking hard. I'm like, <laughs> I don't buy you know, when Al Snow knew how to take a beating in those spots in ECW when he would get the boots, he not he never, in my recollection, sold a hit that wasn't from. A boot, I mean, a fist hit and it counted. And I feel like that is not a blanket critique. It's not often that you see those scenes, those spots, scenes, they're scenes unfold where you have that level of that degree of believability. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Al, I know you have, you have a couple of questions in the, uh, in the holster there, man. Oh yeah. So, and this is one that I started with our last interview with Petey Brown, but is there a specific move that, you're just like, no, I'm, I'm not taking that. Like, for instance, I referenced it with Petey. Watching the old 80s and 90s wrestling days, that doomsday device by Road Warriors, LOD, <laughs> looked rough. Like, <laughs> that looked like one of those, like, oh, that's a great way to break your neck right there. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, so- is there anything that like stands out to you that it's like, no, no, let's, let's not take that spot, that move, because I, I value my ability to walk out of this ring, you know, at the end of the day and walk out of the arena. Anything I won't take, you know, it's interesting. I've worked a number of matches as the, as gamble working with a veteran who's not from wherever. And they'll say, what moves you got kid? And I'll say, oh, I got this, I got this. Uh, you can miss that. Uh, yeah, I'm not taking that. Right. And and I go, well, come on, man. A flapjack. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I just, like, if somebody has it in their moveset, now this is, a, this is me speaking to my peers. If you have something you consider part of your moveset and you're going to call that, I want to trust you to be good with it. Body that I've been building since I was a teenager and it has many broken trophies. It's it's earned. Right, right. Be good to me. (laughs) Yeah, you know, is there anything I won't take? I won't sign up for tax. Fair enough. Staples. Here you go. Here's your answer. Light tubes. Oh. Don't want to 
as a medic, I know too much about all the stuff that goes into those things that shouldn't be into me. Yeah. Take stupid bumps that don't have enough purpose. Now, when Chris Jericho did his Nick Gage match with the tubes this week, I said, hey, man, you know what you're up to. I mean, he's 51 years old. Who am I to tell him what to do or what not to do? He's showing us something. He's telling us something. He's sending a message. Chris Jericho's going to go through five, whatever, labors of Jericho. Yeah. Okay. You do that. Um, I don't need to do tack matches. I just don't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For machine guns, get under my collar and scar my neck and chest. I didn't like that. Man, that's that's one of the things that I, I'm with you there watching that match. I mean, yes, you knew Jericho when they had a no DQ. Nick Gage, like, there's going to be a pizza cutter. There's going to be light tubes. There's going to be a pane of glass like, involved in this match at some point. But one of the other questions that I ask as far as move sets that, you know, we haven't talked about when it comes to chops, I've, you know, watched a couple matches you provided for us uh, and basically can turn a, a chest into hamburger meat. I know I live in the same city as Conrad Thompson. And I've I personally asked him about it, you know, because Flair, even older Flair now, he's like, you still don't want that man to chop you because it can <laughs> reverberate your soul. He's like, he can still sling it at you. And so when I talked to when we talked to Petey Brown, I was asking him about, you know, are there chops that you've taken in the past from someone that's knocked, knocked you like I've watched a lot of early 2000s wrestling here recently, and Chris Benoit, hate the way his life ended and everything, but the man in the ring was something to behold, and he could chop with the best of them, Flair. Are there anybody that sticks out in your mind that you've taken the chops? Like, holy crap, like this this knocked it out of me. Oh, yeah. Had a bad dream about it the other night. (laughs) (laughs) So to bring it back... Pat Cusick was um, one of my early instructors. Um, I remember being in Clayton, North Carolina with him when he called a spot that just didn't, it didn't connect. It was an arm drag out of being put into the ropes. And now he is definitely 6'3", 6'4", was 265, big guy. I was... 5'9", 225, and arm drag out of being put into the ropes. I did, so I ran into him like a like an old lady at a grocery store, you know, and he, brothers, he, he hooked me up. He put his hand in my chest and put me in the corner, and he took part of my soul with overhand chops to the chest. And when I collected myself, I heard him say, what was that? We're going to go back to that. And we're going to see if you can get right. And we worked around. And he waited for me to collect myself enough. I mean, damn, it wasn't selling. I nearly died. <laughs> we go back. The second time, I didn't get it right. Oh, no. Into the corner. Once more. And he has hands like frying pans. It crushed. And I was, it was not only just the physical smack and thud. I was disappointed in myself that I was not connecting the dots. Third time, we go back, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, I'm supposed to go over tonight? (laughs) I've died twice. What am I hitting with that's going to put me one, two, three on top? Third time, ugly as sin, I throw that damn arm drag, and he's, for some reason, he is satisfied. 
to sink it in, I get the third shot to the chest with all the fury and fire he's got. At Cusick, I don't believe he's working in the business today, and that's good for somebody's son. (laughs) Because he has the most vicious frying pan hands I have taken to the chest. The second, and it's a close second, is Sean Denny, who was my teacher, who, with all of his British anger and angst and self-loathing, whatever he brings, he puts it right through you in a moment and he never misses. It's always smack on the spot. So those are your Wow. That's... I could... Yeah, yeah, I could, I just, I mean, you telling this, this, the story, you're, you're a great storyteller, my friend. Uh, great. Cause I, you're, you're telling me that and I'm going, Oh, it didn't happen again, doc. It didn't happen again. <laughs> and then it happened again. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking of the, the warrior story with Andre, the giant, when, when the boss, as they called Andre told you to do something in a match and warrior being his frantic pace and shaking the ropes and everything. And Andre kept telling him, slow down, slow down, and finally just stopped him and just dropped his hand on his chest, which everyone was like, Warrior thought he caved in his chest, and he finally, slow down. (laughs) He listened. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things I like, a couple of questions uh, I've kind of introduced to our guests here is – you get to build yourself a survivor series style team. You're the captain. You get, <laughs> you get four guys. Who, who are you taking with you into the main event at survivor series? That's like four teammates, four teammates. You're leaving currently, them currently in the business all time. All time? All time, brother. Oh, this is going to make some dudes hard right here. This is... <laughs> easy, easy now. <laughs> that mustache crew, I'm thinking Rick Rude. Nice. Mr. Perfect. Ooh, beautiful. Nineteen ninety-eight Sting. I gotta get a body guy. I want to say Lex Luger, but my heart says no. But your heart's right for that. <laughs> I'm gonna pick up. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna sound like such a mark right now. Chris Jericho. There you go. Beautiful. If you would have said Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey when you, he said the muscle <laughs> thing, like Kevin would have been running around the room like we had had to cut a section out. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, you, and, and right away with Rude and Perfect, man, I, uh, I, I'm a Minnesota guy. So, right away, you get Rude and Perfect, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's on the right track right here. He's on the right track right here. <laughs> so. And I'm, could have been, it could have been Omega mm-hmm. instead of Jericho, but Jericho's just got roots. I mean, I, yeah. I, I side with, I mean, we haven't seen, I don't believe we've seen the best of Omega. Right. Yeah, true. Oh, and I mean, for a young talent, God, has he done some work? Yes. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the work, the stories. Mm-hmm. His his Japan, his Japan work, the long, the long tail story with the Golden Lovers. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, but no, no, no." I go, "No, he's patient as fuck. He is. He gets it." Yeah, and we're gonna see some stuff in the future for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. The other, the other question I like to ask is, you get to sit down with one mind from the wrestling business that are alive that, that you can think of anybody in the business and you get to sit down and you get to pick their brain 
to improve your game? Who, who do you sit down? Who are you? Who are you sitting down and having a having a cup of coffee with? Having yourself a rum, having yourself a whiskey, and and you're good, asking them the questions that's going to help you improve your game. Man, you know, I'd say Brooklyn Brawler because he's still here. Yeah. Man, he's smart. He had, he knew the business inside and out. I would say Pat Patterson, if he was still here. And I know you, you say, you know, here or gone. Um, but those are the two minds that, and, and even Jim Cornette, you know, it's a tough call. But people that know the business, the storytelling, you know, what's going to draw, when you say draw money, it means something different now than it did then, but what gets people? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Pat Patterson, I guess, is all time, time tested, like across the board, no questions. Brooklyn Brawler, I'm just so impressed with his depth and humility wrapped in like what he was capable of, what he achieved as a what the most the first most glorified jobber in the business? He he knew everything from the bottom to the top because he was there for it. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Um, in a really cool era, in a beautiful era, it, his breadth of the business. So uh, if I got to say, all in on the buzzer, broken brawler. Beautiful. Beautiful. I actually, I did not expect that, man. I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, so what, what are your, what, I mean, upcoming dates and what, what are your, what are your goals now? I mean, I, I know you want to create moments, man, and I'm looking forward to seeing some moments from you, but what, what, what are your, what are your goals? What are your next steps now getting back into the ring? So right now um, I've, I'm staying close with Jason um, I'm staying in his pocket. He's working the Mid-Atlantic. He has that AEW experience. He's been in that locker room. Um, he's been in the business in that, in that gap from when he was a cool tag team guy that I admired early. When I got out of the business, he stayed in and worked. And so he's bridged that gap for me. So I have a lot of respect and I'm paying attention. Uh, Rhett Titus. I mean, I'm staying right there, you know, um, those are guys that I'm paying attention to because they, they know the truth. They know what's happening right now. They have a good check on the pulse of the business. So my initial goal is to have good matches that will be uploaded to IWTV that will put me in the best light. So people will go, patents the truth. He delivers. He's given us those three star plus matches every week. Um, work as much as I can. Um, the goal, I'd love to work for Billy Corgan and in the NWA, I'd love to do some studio wrestling. Um, some people have said it doesn't matter and I don't believe it. I'm in love with the 10 pounds of gold. I've shaken scrap iron Adam Pierce's hand weeks before he won that belt for his fourth time. He, man, he can make you believe. I live in Williamsburg, which is only an hour south of Richmond, Virginia, which is where Mickey James and Aldous have a residence. Um, well, I've never knocked on his door. I wouldn't mind buying him a drink or two and talking with Nick Aldous. Respect. Um, I'd love to have NWA experience. I'd love to build some international experience with either the UK I was really close to Mexico and I don't think I want to go there right now. I would work in Puerto Rico. My family has a home in Puerto Rico. And if Sabio Vega is listening, take care. Sabio's the man. Mariqua. Uh, Sabio's the man. He is the man. Uh, sure. And, and huge. Um, I'd love to build that international um, renown just a little. You know, I didn't have the internet 
10 years ago, we were not at scale. So literally, interesting sidebar, forgive me. I was discovered in MySpace. Remember MySpace? Oh, yeah. So I had bodybuilding photos for my shows that literally got a message in before it was called a DM saying, if this is you and this is your profile, and in my bio, I put 25, no injuries, no kids, like pro bodybuilder, sponsored by ProLab. They said, if you're really 25, no injuries, no kids, we'd like to offer you a tryout for professional wrestling in Eden, Virginia. And I was like, hmm. Click. Yep. <laughs> so and that's how I got Now, I mean, I haven't taken but a handful of bumps in the last few weeks. And this T-shirt is pretty over. I'm taking orders. It, you know, out there. I've got stickers, the beautiful stickers. Look at these. I mean, wouldn't you want beautiful? Gee, oh. no, I do. Oh. Mustache. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I'm really trying to develop a, a timeline, a credible timeline of uh, consistency. Yes, I'm in I'm into my cigars. Yes, I drink my whiskey. Yes, I've got my family that I love. And yes, I'm very deeply involved in becoming an asset, a greater asset to the veteran and first-line responders community. That's huge to me. That is me. But when I get in the ring and I start whooping that ass, it's something that I enjoy the most. When I am able to capture the attention and show that tenacity and consistency that pays dividends will get you there. I want to have matches that will earn me at least the attention of an AEW or an NXT spot. I want to show the world. I'm not a best-selling author for my ego. I want to tell stories to everybody. That's beautiful. That is uh, that is beautiful, and and I look forward to it, man. I, I I look forward to it. I really, I mean, you got you got a diehard fan in me, brother. That that is that is uh, that's for sure. I look forward to watching you, man. Uh, to take them by storm, man. Take them by storm, man. That is uh, that is. I'm looking forward. You get listen to you talk, man. You get me a little jazzed up. I get I got I get a little fire. Like I'm feeling young again all of a sudden, man. <laughs> but the uh, so tell us where I mean, where where can we follow you? Where can we find you? I mean, are you still taking orders for that beautiful shirt? Because I know I knew I slid right in those DMs when that thing became available. Uh, how do we get your merch? Where do we follow you? All right, throw so, it at us. So. I'm in Instagram at Patriot Heart Media, all spelled out. You'll have the links in the bio, or at least the links in the uh, in the clip when we uh, go live with this. Yeah. Um, send me a message right now. My wife is working diligently to get the Shopify page live with tank tops for chicas in, in the OD green and the black. We're getting tank tops. We're going kids sizes and we're going for the extra large human sizes. We have the stickers. Send me a message if you want stickers. I can send those out quick. Um, a lot of business happens in Twitter. So make sure you're following at Killing Patton. Killing Patton. So here's a, here's a funny thing. I, uh, I'm a newlywed Got married last September. My wife and I apparently have swapped names. I gave her my last name. She gave me her former maiden name, which is Patton. Direct line. Wow. Look at. And uh, so yeah, I said we can't make babies, but we can make money with your name. How's that? So, <laughs> I like that. I like that. So obviously, I mean, anybody that's out there listening, man. It's a beautiful shirt. You you ha- you just have to have one. When I like I said, when I first saw that, I went, yeah, you have to, you have to have one. So get out there, go follow, man. Follow that. This is gonna this is gonna be a this is gonna be a, a a hell of a journey, man. I I I'm with you on it. I I am following you where you go, my friend. I, I'm with you, and and I, I want to be respectful of your time here. So we're, we'll we'll let you slide. 
I want to ask you to be on again down the road. I want to ask, because I, I think that we have a lot more to cover and I really look forward to it. Uh, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? You know, if you do, when you do follow me on Twitter, you'll get some quotes from Patton that are timeless and have earned their place in history. But you'll also see some from my life outside of the ring. And I'd love to go deeper. I am in love with the idea of being able to have a relationship with my fans in a way that uh, my previous superstars never did. I never got to talk to Steve Borden and him reply in a message. I mean, since I've given myself to this platform, I've gotten retweets and messages, replies from Stone Cold Steve Austin, Diamond Dallas Page, the Brooklyn Brawler, Chris Jericho. It's unlike any other time before. If women could have the opportunity to interact with Nicholas Sparks before he'd written the notebook, how powerful if we could brain of a J.J. Abrams when he was just coming up with the very beginnings, the origin story, it's significant. And while I don't mean to elevate myself and put myself in the class of that level or that caliber of uh, figures, come on, let's go together. Let me take you from the return. Yes, I got some in-ring experience, three years getting my head kicked in. And seeing a little bit of action and having some fun and learning a lot. But now I've come through and I'm on the other side. I know why I'm here. And this is going to be fun. Come with me. It'll be worth it. It's not just going to be a mid-Atlantic indie run. Let's see where we can go. Hell yeah, brother. I'm, I'm with you. I, I am, I'm with you, man. I am with you. I want to say thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for coming on al do you have any do you have any any parting words man this is this has been the best you know hour plus promo that i've participated in it just incredible brother this is wow thank you again yes thank you for your service thank you for entertaining us uh look forward to grabbing this book put you over man your art skills are really something i'm looking forward to see what you put together for the show yeah we'll talk as soon as this is off i've got something that i want to pitch to you so that's the that's definitely that's something i'm excited about because i started it i've already drawn that other guy that we're talking to you know from minnesota i've got him dropped in so (laughs) (laughs) wonderful wonderful so again, thank you, Doc. We're gonna, we're gonna. I look forward to, to hopefully having you on again down down the road. Uh, anybody that's out there listening, thank thank you very much, and and we will see you. We will see you again.